I'll get my browns together. It's a foundation. Sorry, Reg. All right. And a lip gloss. <laughs> Welcome. I am Janita Stanton. We have Reginald Perryman, Shaka Williams. We are Tasari. This is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And we have special guest, Ashley. Hamilton. Hamilton. That's how you know when I forget the last name, when it's she like a big pause. She always forgets <laughs> yeah. last name. But hey. Hey, Hamilton like the ten dollar bill, so or the the play. Now I gotta switch it up. Oh yeah. Because I yeah, Hamilton is on the ten dollar bill, but now with the play, so that's how I always tell people. Cool. Hamilton like the play. But yes, hi. <laughs> we love to jump in, getting started, finding out more about our guests. So but I wanna switch it up from like whatever your story has been, like, you know, as you're doing like the podcast to like um who you are now, what you're doing now. And, you know, like, what your focus is, because you just were telling us behind the scenes, like, about your kids and things. Yeah, absolutely. So just please forgive me. I try. I tend to be long-winded, so feel free to interrupt at any time. But, yeah, um, so basically where I'm at now is the, um, I recently discovered Instagram, right? So where have <laughs> I been the last 10 or 15 years? Um, and I realized that there is hundreds and millions of people that need to need information about real estate right but there's millions of women that need to see people like myself um doing this right so before i've always been like the person that just did the right thing when nobody was looking flew under the radar but the amount of uh, messages i get on a daily with people just saying hey thank you just for being you know african-american single mother i know i can do it now just because i see you so that's truly has changed my whole mission and the trajectory of where i'm going um always before my kids have been number one the foundation so that's always been there and i'm still doing that and doing even more with my kids but I also adapted um, just, I feel like it's my duty now, whether paid or for free, to educate as many minorities as possible on financial freedoms because um, just seeing that there's a big gap. And as I become more successful, I'm starting to get hacks and plays and tax savings and all this that right. nobody ever taught me, my mom, my grandma, or anybody in my family. So. I'm going to be the big mouth person, unfortunately, to tell every <laughs> single body I can, whether it's on a free, on live, whatever, whether they pay me or not. But that's where I'm at now. So my goal is education um, and financial freedom through multiple um, avenues. So live webinars, free podcasts, interviews, and things like that. So let me <laughs> say this, because me and Shaka talk a lot about we, we're more into doing the work. I do a little bit more social media than you, right? But Shaka is like, I don't really care to be on it <laughs> because he's more about the work and not the flash and everything. But you brought up an interesting point. People need, need. to see the success so they can know it's possible. Absolutely. Right. They need representation. And like I said, like, I definitely could afford a Range Rover, right? Maybe five or six. But I know that that I mean, unfortunately, that's what gets more likes and views, but it's unattainable and people automatically start to give up because I was that person. Right. right. I was featured on a, one of the biggest real estate podcasts in the world. And I thought it was a hoax. Because I'm right. like, what do anybody want to hear from me? I only own 10 properties, you know, so definitely representation that we need to. If right. it was up to me, nobody would know what I do. Like, I, if you see me in the streets, I'm like low-key, try to hide because I don't want to be known, but I know that there's a bigger purpose and people need to right. see it. So I definitely have to um, make sure I continue to do that. So your, your reach, like, extremely far. So when she did Bigger Pockets, 
I have people inbox me <laughs> on Facebook. People was finding me on YouTube, calling my phone. Like, how did I get in touch with Ashley? I didn't even know she was on there mm -hmm. until people was calling me. Like, do you know her? Do you know her? And I'm like, damn, what happened? <laughs> and that's how I seen it. I, mean, I, I didn't even tell nobody because I thought it was a scam. I'm like, this right. ain't, they don't want me. <laughs> I, I'm from Detroit. Did you know about Bigger Pockets before you was on Yeah, there? I had okay. been listening, but everybody is, oh, my my, my dad gave me a $100,000 loan or I own 100 mm -hmm. units. So I'm thinking, right. why does somebody want to hear somebody that was struggling, had to get it out the mud, right. was successful? I didn't think that I was valuable because I had been listening to them for over five years and nothing that they produced was attainable to me. And even wow. Bigger Pockets in itself wrote me and told me, like, hey, we're doing that on purpose. Your episode, I was literally top five. I'm probably still top ten, and Grant Cardone has been on there three times. But they told me, like, now that they are adding right. more diversity and more people that are more attainable. So definitely change the trajectory of their uh, podcast. How did they find you? Literally, it was so crazy. I was commenting on a forum. So somebody was bashing Detroit <laughs> on Bigger Pockets, and I just went loose. Like, hold on, I own 10 properties, making right. eight grand a month. I was paying 5000 for these properties. I'm retired. And um, Ryan Murdoch, which is uh, the, the host, Brandon Turner's right-hand man, he hit me up like, Ashley, you need to apply to be on the show or do this. And they kind of gave me the back door, so I didn't have to do any applications or anything. But he right. told me who to reach out to. I reached out to him, and the rest was history. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy, because I don't <laughs> listen to podcasts ever. Right. <laughs> and Reggie sent me the uh, that episode, and I wow. actually watched the whole episode. Right. Wow. She be so having people crying with her interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that was a good that was a really good yeah. episode. So, Thank and it's you. it's funny because you know David Green that wrote Burr. Mm -hmm. He's actually a, a realtor, KW mm -hmm. agent, mm -hmm. and I heard him speak at a conference, and he said something, and one of his comments was like, "But except Detroit." <laughs> so we hear that a lot. Yeah. So that's how you got on by coming and representing Detroit. Absolutely. Right. And then the funny thing about it is Brandon uh, Brandon just bought uh, um, the mobile home in Warren that Eminem filmed in. Yeah. And that was the one that I was trying to sell him. But I reached out to them multiple times. They're like, we're not trying to sell. <laughs> obviously, they must have had a good sales pitch and stuff. Right. But so he invests. I mean, obviously, it's not Detroit, but Warren is just Detroit, especially 8 Mile Warren, yeah. right? So, yeah, they, they are in Detroit whether they like it or not. But Brandon right. always knew. He right. always knew that Detroit was it. Cool. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you, we already know the backstory. If they, they haven't known it by now, they know it, right? <laughs> right. Um, people calling you the queen of Detroit real estate now. Yeah. What What are you doing now? Because are you still investing in, like, the lower-end properties, like the thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 homes? Absolutely. I am. I'm still the same OG, right? But I right. uh, just got some passion <laughs> projects. So right. uh, that's my sweet spot. So I do that every day. I currently have seven projects going on right now. And only two of them are in like the North End, right? right. A, a higher price point. But yeah, everything is still... Um, I would say like the thirty thousand rental, but um, for, you know, well, fortunately, prices have went up, so we're still about sixty thousand all in. Okay. But when I tell you, <laughs> God is good. So let me just say this: in in May, I listed a property uh, for a thousand dollars a month, and it was kind of a struggle to get it, but I found some people in there. And in August, so that was three months later, I put a listing on the market for a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom. And due to Section 8's increases in the demand, I'm getting $1,460 a month wow. for a three-bedroom in Detroit. So 
that has been a blessing. It's the sweet spot. So now I'm like, how many more sixty thousand dollar renovations <laughs> with homes I could get right. that I could put these Section Eight tenants in? And not being greedy, obviously there's struggles with the government, but it's providing a service because I I have recordings of people calling me crying just because I answered the phone because they are they're about to get kicked off of Section Eight because nobody wants Section Eight. And it's not even that they don't want it. It's nobody's willing to do the work, like pay their taxes on time, do uh, amiable code repairs, sorry, and safety repairs, and making sure your house is nice and safe. I've been doing that for years. You know what I'm saying? So Section 8 is just only a natural transition, but... So much been it's so beneficial. I, I I get a sense that I'm helping people as well as helping myself. You know, so it's not just like all me. We're all winning, uh, but for sure that extra four sixty, you know, month yeah. is definitely an <laughs> incentive. So when you say sixty thousand, are you saying sixty thousand all in yeah. for the purchase and the rehab? Yes, on average, oh, wow. right? right? So on average, so how it's looking now is, I mean, obviously. Um, so how I like to say is I typically try to purchase a property between 40 and 45. Right. And the, the higher you pay, the less than the renovation. So if I purchase between 40 and 45, my renovation is typically between 15 and 20. So, of course, being on Instagram, everybody say, <laughs> Ashley, what's up with them $1,000 houses, right? <laughs> Same thing. Spend 1000 right. on a house. It's going to be a minimum of 60 to renovate it. So you're right. you're not getting around the 60000 for Section 8 properties getting 1400 a month plus. Now, if you want to get 800 a month and, and sidestep and have people stealing your doors and stuff, go for the $1,000 <laughs> properties. But I, I don't typically go for the land bank, even though I check it every day, right? I'm right. not a naysayer, so I believe anything could work. So I do check the land bank every day. I'm hopeful that I will get a deal with them. Right. But right now, it's just too much, and I just hear too many horror stories. How so. are you finding your properties? Uh, believe it or not, so um, from August uh, 2019 to August 2020, I purchased 11 properties myself, and I helped eight investors purchase nine properties. So a total of 20 properties in that year. Out of that, 17 came directly from Zillow first. So right. obviously most of them were listed on the MLS, but I, I was just strolling Zillow because it's easier to pull up on my phone versus logging into the MLS. So I would find them on there. Oh, this is a good deal. Save it. Later, go back to the MLS and right. submit it that way. So no unfair advantages. They were literally all public information. But the key is in Detroit, you have to move quick and definitely right. want to have cash because I've beaten out a lot of offers that were higher than mine, maybe five or 10,000 higher right. because I was able to close quickly with cash. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, but that's how I find it. So no unfair advantages. You all could do it too, for sure. Cool. <laughs> you just going straight to the MLS. <laughs> for sure. Right. So, it out. So, I, yeah. so I watched the Bigger Pockets podcast mm-hmm. and on there, you said something that uh, we talk about all the time uh, right. about being a problem solver. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, Yep. why you are who you are right now, right? Absolutely. So what type of problems are you solving right now? So most of the time I'm solving um, landlords who have bad property management companies, unfortunately. And not even bad, but yeah, but really bad. So it's maybe they scale too high because it's such a need in Detroit, so maybe they have a thousand units. So your one unit out of a thousand is you're 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 gonna be just a drop in a you know, a spot on the wall I would say. So um 
Yeah, and so that's the kind of that's the number one problem I saw. People that have properties uh, and can't get them rented out or can't keep them rented out. Also, um, contractors, contractors running off, not finishing the work and stuff like that. So those are the type of problems that I typically solve. But right now, my number one problem is I don't have money to buy real estate. So I'm becoming the funding or uh, business credit strategist uh, to help people with funding that way. Right. Wow. Yeah. So you you going from you went from um, so you manage your own properties, you help mm-hmm. investors find properties and you help manage their properties. Absolutely. Them, so and I'm, you help them find the money to buy. Them. Absolutely. So All I'm right. the one stop shop. So I'm going to help you get the funding. And I've done that. Then I uh, transition to uh, acquisition or I am still licensed as a real estate agent, but right. I do it as a transaction coordinator. So like a wholesaler, right. uh, once I buy the property, then you transfer over to my uh, project management company. So now I'm going <laughs> to manage the project for you, make sure a contractor show up and I take full liability. If they don't, I'll find somebody else at a loss. Uh, and then you transfer over to my property management company and I'm going to make sure I get the property rented out for you all- all four transitions, I get a check, right? right? Each company, right? And not even bragging because they're they're winning as well. A lot of right. my investors bought for forty thousand and they're cashing out sixty thousand or selling at eighty thousand, but cash flowing still. So they're everybody's winning. The tenants right. winning. They get a nice, safe, clean place. The investors winning. He's getting paid, and I'm winning because I'm getting compensated. But right. yep, that's how it goes. And, uh, and after I manage the property, if you want to do more, then I transfer you to the coaching program, and that's another wow. check. <laughs> I'm gonna show you how to do. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So you using the bird strategy? Yeah, all the <laughs> all <laughs> bags matter. <Giant> clear. <laughs> all bags matter. Absolutely. So um, you using the bird strategy? Are you using it on like the sixty thousand dollar property still? Yeah, absolutely. So typically, um, so it was the bird strategy, but on the lower price properties, right. I typically um, refinance with a bank or credit union. Okay. So you definitely have to be in position, but those are the lower price. When you get to hard money, which I forgot about that, I am a hard money broker licensed. So I, I, that's another <laughs> income stream that we could talk about. Right. But um, when you get to the hard money side, they typically have minimum loan amounts. Right. Those are for the refinances. Now we're looking at about 70000 Right. So for the $60,000 houses, I'm going to fund traditionally with the bank on a refinance. Um, and if it's over that, then I'll fund it with the hard money lender, Burr. Right. So I invented a strategy, trademark and everything. Uh, it's called Reverse Flip. Um, so I just thought the name was common, but it's really Burr using hard money, right? right. Okay. So the benefits is just like any other flipper. I think I was talking to... Um, I don't know if I was talking to Zeke about this, but other people, when you're constantly flipping, those $30,000, $40,000 checks are great. But you've been a bought a Range Rover, right? Or took your right. family on a vacation <laughs> and forget that come April 15th, IRS wants... 35% or more, right? So now right. that 40000 is looking more like 25000 So, But you didn't already spent the money because you didn't bought your next flip or you didn't took the family to Disney World. Right. right? So um, I coined the reverse flip where, because when you're flipping, the equity is still there. But why right. not sell it? Instead of making 30000 why not make 25000 with a refinance, right. right? You still own the property, still get the net worth. 
refinance is tax-free. Any bank loan is tax-free. Right. So you're still getting 25000 in your pocket tax-free, but now you only ask that the tenant's paying the mortgage, your cash flowing, but you've already got your money out in the beginning. So a reverse right. flip is what I call it. Um, um, I have to, yeah. industry jargon. So you got to keep in mind, a lot of people that's listening don't know these Anything. terms. So can okay. you break down what Burr is? Absolutely. So Burr means buy renovate, refine, wait, buy, <laughs> renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Right. So I, I'm going to break it down just to you just how it goes. So I've been using business credit here in Detroit because Detroit is a great market for it. So uh, in a nutshell, business credit is just regular credit cards like Bank of America Chase that you can buy properties with. Right. But on average, the average person, even with great credit, is going to get about sixty to eighty thousand their first round. Okay. So you want to buy a house and renovate it within that amount. So Detroit is a market that you can do that. Um, so we would get the business credit, use the credit cards to purchase the properties. Um, so now we essentially own it free and clear because it's on a credit card. Now we have six months or less to you know get the property renovated and rent it out. Right. And then after it's all stable, so now it's in a pretty package, it's rented out, it's clean, it's renovated. Now you go to the bank and say, hey, I own this property, and hopefully it's worth 70000 not sixty, because the reason right. we do the work is for it to have some kind of appreciation. But let's say it's worth 70000 now. You go to the bank and say, I own this property. for uh, It's worth $70,000. I own it free and clear. I don't have a mortgage on it. Right. And then the bank typically will lend you 80, well, I would say between 70 and 80% of that amount. So right. 70,000, I don't have my calculator, times 80%, which, right. which say? 56, that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. about 56. <laughs> wow, that was smart. He was an accountant. Oh, he's an accountant, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> no, 56,000. Yeah. yeah. So you invested 60,000, you've gotten 56,000 back in six months, right? Right. And then that's how you can either pay back your loan or buy your next property. But that's the burr. You're refinancing out of it. So. It's the strategy. So you protecting yourself by leaving equity in a property because mm -hmm. if the market has a downturn, you still got some cushion there. Is that the strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But not only that. So like he said, 56000 is your loan amount now. Right. So on average, that's going to cost you about $250 a month. Right. Now, mind you, your tenant is paying a thousand to fourteen hundred dollars. Right. So you have so much room in there to pay that off, even if the market crashed. I right. mean, I, I started investing in two thousand nine, where we were at our low point. Right. Where you could buy a house for nineteen hundred dollars and still rent it out for eight hundred dollars a month. Right. So I thought I was going to be in, out of business because I said, if I can buy this house for $1,900, who would pay me $800? They would just <laughs> save their money for three months and buy it themselves. But unfortunately, people don't do that. So I was lucky. So mm -hmm. when I started, what I could say is I, I've been through recessions. I've been through COVID. And one thing that has never changed is the rent amount. Mm -hmm. And as we can see now with COVID, the rent has increased drastically. Right. So that is one thing that's never going to probably change the rents. And if it does change, because your mortgage is only $250, you can say, well, instead of $1,400, give me $1,200, right. right, for a couple months. So that's just, uh, and you'll still be still making almost $1,000. Now, obviously, you'll have other expenses in there, but just for whole numbers, that's just an example of how it looks. So, uh, so I got a question. So mm -hmm. are you, when you're doing your cash out, are you doing interest only? No, so that's typically with hard money. 
So to, uh, my cash outs, I got I got back in in 2019. So I'm at like a 4.75 interest rate. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's it's um, escrow. So they the mortgage, the taxes, and insurance all come together. So on average, about a forty thousand dollar loan, I'm paying about five hundred a month. P and I, Prince, yeah, principal, principal interest. interest, yep, and mortgage. insurance, absolutely, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, still, again, with a thousand dollar rent, that's still leaving five hundred in cash flow. But I like to kind of put away like maybe a hundred or two for uh, repairs in the future. But uh, just to be honest, and I know some investors will say, like, don't go by this. But vacancies is not a thing in Detroit. If, if right. you list the market a uh, right. house now, I'm going to get 200 calls within an hour. Mm-hmm. There's a shortage of housing. So, you don't. I mean, not saying like. I would never have a vacancy over 30 days, right? Because the demand is there. But also, because we are buying these properties and fixing them up, we're also making sure that we do repairs that are going to be durable and last uh, stand the test of time so that we're not having expenses. You know, so right. on. I, I've had a property that I've owned since 2012, and I've replaced the faucet and snaked the drain twice. That's all I've done in nine years. So, yeah, because when you're explaining repairs that are going to last the test of time, you're talking about a new roof. New yeah, furnace, if, if needed, yeah. New but, water tank, yeah. that kind of thing. But you're even talking about the quality mm-hmm. of, like, your cabinets. Instead Absolutely. of putting in those cheap mm-hmm. uh, rental property-grade mm-hmm. cabinets, you're Shaker. putting in better quality so that they can, they can you'll have less maintenance over the time. Yeah. You don't have yeah. all the replacement costs. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. That's exactly right. Right, I seen some of your properties that you were renting. They look like flips. Yeah. And I'm like, she put all of that over there on Eight Mile and Hoover. Uh-huh. Yeah, and right. the thing is, though, just setting yourself apart. So uh, it may look expensive, but when you're doing volume, you know, it it really boils down to maybe like five thousand more that I would spend, and I'm spending five thousand more, but I'm able to charge two hundred and fifty more than what the neighborhood supports. But not only that. Um, so I just realized, I didn't know that, but by ch- being the highest in the neighborhood, and obviously I'm not recommending it all the time, you have to do research, uh, right. but I've been lucky enough to, I can afford to make a couple mistakes now, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because right. I've been so lucky not to, but I've been successful. But um, what I realized is that by me by me spending the extra 5000 with doing higher end and by me charging more in rent, I'm weeding out a lot of the bad tenants. So when right. people tell me horror stories, I'm like, and I'm just blessed because I don't go through this. My tenants don't bother me. I'm able to be a whole influencer out here, and I manage 55 properties. Yeah. Most people would think, like, your phone is ringing off the hook. But no, it, it it isn't because the systems and stuff I put in place. So the people that are going to be able to qualify for the rental are going to be already a higher income because the standard for a rental is three months. You must make at least three months your rent and income. So if I'm renting a house out for fourteen hundred, this individual needs to make um, forty two hundred, right? Listen, and I love math, but I just want to leave it to you. So forty two hundred a month, right? Right. So that's a Chrysler employee, that's a nurse, that's a casino worker, that's right. somebody who values a place to live. So that, like I said, I didn't know that I was doing that, but by by spending the extra money, we think like, oh, it's a bad thing, but it really right. trickles down way further than you would know with getting better tenants because they're the only ones that qualify. But then also, once they get in your place, they typically tend to stay and appreciate it more because they feel like you appreciate it, right? right? If you go in there and just throwing up lipstick on a pig, they, they're not going to care about it, right. you know, but because they see I care about it and I'm in there doing it, they typically take better care of the properties. So that kind of go back to what uh, Zeke was saying on the other episode about pricing. 
So you price some things and you're going to attract certain... Your price is your brand. Kinda. Yeah. So you have a high-quality um, product, which is the rental property, and you attract better tenants than the Absolutely. average person. Absolutely. Know. So you said something else on the Bigger Pockets podcast. podcast. <laughs> uh, it was a Warren Buffett quote, and I know you have a, a few of those, but it was one about uh, purchasing when everybody else is fearful. Absolutely. And when everybody else is greedy, uh, standing still. Absolutely. So do you still live by that? Absolutely. Anytime, like if I hear anybody saying like, don't do this, I'm intrigued to do it. So obviously in Detroit, 2009, everybody was saying run. They're going through bankruptcies. Houses are 5,000. So that piqued my interest. Like, hold on. And versus, (laughs) and obviously we're not always, I'm not always right, but like with crypto and stock to me, Everybody's doing it right now, so I'm watching it. I'm waiting mm-hmm. to get in, but I'm not ready to just go in because to me, something may happen. Everybody's being greedy, so right. I need to be a little fearful or be do more research, you know. Um, but I know people are making a lot of money in that. But yeah, I absolutely live by that. I want to be in places where people don't because that's gonna, you know, help you make a bigger um, impact, and also it helps you financially as well. So um, Ashley, so it's a book called Outliers, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about certain people being successful, but it had a lot to do with their timing, where they were at, their age. All of this stuff played a part. Ashley got in the market right at the right time. She was an agent, and she started investing. And I don't think many people could have had that opportunity, or they had the opportunity. They just wasn't around the right people Mm -hmm. at the time. So it was like the perfect storm for you to get in because you probably couldn't have done that at the prices now starting out because mm-hmm. right. the, the, the homes back then were two and three thousand and some of these yeah properties. absolutely so right. they were about five thousand all in so the difference right. is though so i don't want to say i could not have right i could have i would have needed more knowledge and people could still do it now so the thing right. is it was um, a gift and a curse, right? Right. So properties were five thousand, ten thousand, but you couldn't get a loan for anything, mm-hmm. right? Right. So if you're in a market that's more expensive, like I know somebody that bought a four hundred thousand dollar house with no job for twenty thousand right. dollars because they knew that the value was there was in California. So you can pretty much get a loan real easy when the values are there. But since we couldn't get a loan, I had to use cash. Right. But now, like I, I break it down all the time. Um, you can buy a $300,000 house for $15,000. Obviously, you would need a mortgage. It wouldn't be all in, but it's still possible to do it. But you have the benefits of getting loans and stuff like that. So while I was able to save up cash, that took a lot of discipline where I could, nobody would finance me. You know, so I was at a point where when I hit 10 doors um, back in 2016, Um, I had over $800,000 in equity and couldn't get a loan because everybody was scared of Detroit. So, yes, um, yes, it was a benefit, but it was also a curse. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because even even a lot of people, we were all here, but people weren't doing it because it's still hard to save up seventeen, twenty five thousand, whether it's to purchase it all outright or to get a mortgage. So, you know, definitely it was it was definitely benefits and that worked in my favor. But it was also curses like not being able to get financing, having all this equity and not being able to do anything with it. Rich, before you go, I want you to uh, explain (laughs) what she's saying in regards to why you can't or you can if you want to, why you can't get why you couldn't get finance. Well, at the time. So at the time, 
First of all, the five thousand dollar homes back then were way better quality yes, for sure. than what you could get now. Mm -hmm. So you can get homes for five or seven thousand that may have only needed a furnace and a hot water mm -hmm. tank. Mm -hmm. That's not happening now because of the market shift. But she couldn't get loans because a lot of lenders wouldn't loan under a certain dollar amount. But we talked before because she was calling banks, what she was calling every, <laughs> every Monday. Monday from yep, three to four. So she was basically cold calling banks. Mm -hmm. And then you met somebody at a um, real estate investment group mm -hmm, that Rick. would do the loan. What was it like? 30,000? 30,000 was their minimum. Uh, yep. 30 was their minimum. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't only that. So during that time, because we're talking recession time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the banks had pulled out of certain industries, Michigan. Detroit, Detroit was one of the industries. Mm -hmm. Georgia, states, I think, yeah. was one of the states. So you had, like, all these different industries where um, it was an automatic, no, we do not loan in that state. Absolutely. Yeah, well, they were looking at their risk because it was yeah. such high foreclosure rates in certain states and certain cities. They was like, we can't keep putting bad money Into or bad. good money on Into top of bad, yeah. right? So that was the situation. And then it was like, how are you going to appraise a property for... Fifty thousand when everything is selling for five and on ten on the same street mm -hmm. on, on the, the same, same street. Yeah, so mm -hmm. before that, um, no because counts. like during that time, they had to start taking foreclosures, bank-owned property, distressed properties into considerations for values. Mm -hmm. Where before the recession, they you we didn't have to do that right. because it was enough properties that were stable yeah. to where if it was a foreclosure, we wouldn't consider that in value. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the so, laws definitely changed with Dodd-Frank and stuff like that, mm -hmm. because the reason we got into this, um, you know, debacle or because people were lending for people that weren't qualified. So with the new laws that were in place and the ARVs or the values are not there, that was essentially why we couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Now, if you want to make somebody cry. <laughs> so <laughs> as we were talking, she was telling when we did the interview before, mm -hmm. she was telling everybody how she was like the first first person in your family between your mother and grandmother mm -hmm. the first to even own the house mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then she came back you brought your mother house yeah was I it? Bought my mom her first house yeah yeah so you talking about changing <laughs> like generational Generation. mm -hmm. yeah and that's like everybody tear it up yeah. right that's why so, that that's why that bigger pockets got so many views mm -hmm. yeah, it was real yeah right it was real but also it was just I mean, it's real life. People mm -hmm. go through this every mm -hmm. single day. Right. So that is why, like, and I know, like, because obviously, and I'm not even trying to down anybody, but I hear people say, like, oh, if I could do it, you could do it. Mm -hmm. But when you ask them, okay, how you get started? Oh, well, I was making six figures at mm -hmm. Apple. Right. Hold on. No. <laughs> right. You know, or my father gave me a $100,000 loan. Like, right. no. Let's. People, like people who literally is where I'm at and where I was at, obviously I was 23 years old. I had right. two kids under five um, and I was working at Red Lobster making $20,000 a year. Um, I got my real estate license after I bought my first home and I was probably making $7,000 a year, you know, because with real estate, it's referral based. Right. So the first two or three years, you have to build up your clientele. So I wasn't really making a lot. But now a kid at McDonald's makes 20000 a year. Right. So mm -hmm. it's definitely possible, but you have to be disciplined. And then another thing about me is that even now, where, where I'm at now with 30 properties, over $2 million portfolio, over a million dollar in equity, because I don't refinance a lot, I still own a lot of my properties free and clear. Um, 
I still, you know, I still, I still don't live that way. So I still don't have a Lamborghini, right? So right. what happens is most people get one or two properties, and you're ready to quit your job and screw and f the world or whatever, right. you know, just go out on your own. And it <laughs> takes humbleness. Like right. imagine, like I, I tell this one story when I first got my first cash outs, I cashed out four properties the first time I've ever. I got a check for a hundred and twenty something thousand dollars. And I still went to work and deposited that check Absolutely. at work to go make twenty dollars an hour as a teller. <laughs> I was the lowest of the total poll. And right. I was but when I went there, I was everything. Everybody remembered me. I did my job. I never asked questions. I never talked back. And I was making more than my boss's boss's boss. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? The market leader, I was making more than them in real estate, but I still would go. But when I went, it wasn't an arrogant sense about me, right? My goal was to just lay under the radar. But then once I hit you know, multi-million. <laughs> then I'm gonna crack y'all heads for right, real. But right. the thing about me is, I ain't gonna crack your heads and go. I'm gonna crack your heads and every year keep cracking your heads. Right. So mm -hmm. I ain't at that point yet. And, right. and like I said, listen to me because a lot of you all may have a hundred thousand dollars and be ready to quit. I got over a million dollars in equity, two million dollar portfolio, and I'm still not. I still don't have a Range Rover. I, I don't even have a newest iPhone. Right? right? It's about sacrifice. So we think that. Uh, as a as a community, I would say we feel like those things that uh, presents wealth. Yeah. Right. The crazy thing about it is, if you start a business, you get financial uh, educated and free. Now, I literally have a five thousand dollar order at Am uh, Apple. I'm about to get two thirteens, a MacBook for my kids, right. and it's all a tax write off. Right. So I'm not gonna pay that five thousand dollar bill is going on a credit card. The receipt is going to my CPA, and I will pay. Z it's actually gonna save me taxes. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So there's a way to live that lifestyle, but don't do it when you get your first house, making two hundred dollars <laughs> cash flow. Right? right. And now you think you're about to do this? No. So you definitely can live that lifestyle, but please spend two years living below your means. Don't get the new iPhone for these two years. Don't get the new, the newest lace front. You know, just for two <laughs> years, I promise you, that two years of sacrifice will change the trajectory of your life and you will be getting paid right. to, like, like I said, I'm essentially buying all this stuff to save on taxes, right? Mm -hmm. right. So I'm benefiting from buying, having the latest iPhone. Yeah, you're at right. a point to where you have to spend money. Yeah, to, yeah to, to, it's either do I pay Uncle Sam, which I don't mind paying. Well, first I thought, I don't mind paying taxes. He, My tax return <laughs> is what got me started, yeah. right? right? But then I realized, unfortunately, why I love my country, the government doesn't know exactly what to do with the money. So I'd rather create <laughs> yeah. more yeah. Uh, more things and I create safer housing or affordable housing. And then I, right. I think the money is being better spent with me and my business. You right. know, I like <laughs> what you said about the spend the two years and live below your means. Um, you, you explain it very well. But we do have a lot of people. So not even just like, oh, I'm going to go out here and buy real estate and then make money. But what about like the mothers who just don't have it? But they mm -hmm. could potentially have it if they spent 24 months getting some licensing, getting some education, some mentorships so that they can excel. But, you know, we rather live check to check, go get the job, mm -hmm. you know, make less than $40,000 a year and spend, you know, to where we can't pay our rent or we can't, you know, our bank accounts are overdrawn. We don't have cars. Repo, yeah. Yeah, right. like all those things. I want to respond to that because mm -hmm. I, I watched her podcast, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so when the first problem you saw, the first issue that you saw in your life was 
rent. Rent. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Rent. So, that I had to tackle. Yes. Yeah. So she like, you know, uh, that's that's most people's biggest expense is your housing expense. Right. Mm-hmm. So then she she said, uh, how do I get rid of that expense? Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And right. she took her her money from her refund check. Yeah. Right. Her tax refund check. And bought a house. Right. Absolutely. So the crazy thing is just to piggyback off of what you were saying earlier that my friends that make forty thousand a year, like right now, or my family members, they live better than me. Yeah. Like they're uh, what's that spot <laughs> that everybody went to? Uh, Dominican Republic, and you know, uh, like yeah, with COVID, yeah. everybody in Mexico now. <laughs> right. They Mexico Dominican Republican. They looking out. nice, right? But they mm-hmm. still, you know, and, and again, they're living better than me, and I got all of this. But yeah, definitely. So basically, process of elimination. So if you are currently renting right now, that's your biggest expense, hand down hands down especially now right. and it's so easy to get into a property as a first-time home buyer because you have grants you have the first-time home buyer credits and things like that so that's always the goal and any of my students and coaching wise I always tell them let's get you a multi-family right and that is your living below means right mm-hmm. when you're in right. a duplex it's not as nice as a single family but two mm-hmm. years now you're going to be able to afford that three hundred thousand right. dollar house and that one duplex is going to pay for that and you said right. something key is like you said when you're coaching you tell people this and then the people that follow that they typically end up successful it's so many people that i'm sure you probably have said that too and they're like nah yeah because they don't want to give up they don't want to give up the club life yeah Yeah. and you you said something too it you kind of said it but it blew past but you said you own a lot of your property still free and clear because when people hear about bird they like oh every house i get i'm gonna refinance So you look at your whole portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, I'm going to leave some free and clear in case things don't go right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I realized early on is um, now while some people may choose entrepreneurship to just stop working. Right. I choose it to be lazy. No, I'm just joking. But spend <laughs> no, my time back and spend more time with my kids. <laughs> right. So... Quiet is kept, and I've been meeting, now that I've joined social media, I meet thousands of people, people that we follow, we pay, that's our mentors, that's really not, get, yeah, so they might have 50, 100 units, mm-hmm. but I, I know somebody now that has $11 million portfolio, and I make more cash flow with them with my one, mm-hmm. $2 million portfolio, right. so the cash flow is the key for me, mm-hmm. because cash flow is the only thing that's going to help you retire, Absolutely. versus units, so I can have 100 units and make $4,000 a month in cash flow because I've leveraged everything and bird and refinanced them all. Or I can own 30 units like myself and make 25000 you know, a month and be like, whatever, I don't have to work. So there's give and take. So obviously leverage is good. Using other people's money is good, but you're le- you're losing that cash flow. Right. So let's say when I, when I coach somebody, I always say, What's your number? So, they, of course, nobody knows, but I'm making $3,000 a month at my job right now. Okay, great. You just need to replace that with $3,000 of cash flow. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Cash flow is only $300 per property. So now you need... Ten, is it 10? 10, 10 okay, look, I'm looking at, look, gotta <laughs> right, look at him. Counting. So now you need 10. So it's going to take you 10 properties before you can retire. Now it's looking more realistic, like, oh, I can't do this in a year or two, right? right. It's so crazy, like the $3,000 for retirement, but I hear it. Yeah. Because a lot of people who retire from, like, uh, one of the big three, if they're on their pension, 
Yeah, it's not even that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's just put into contents. Uh, so that's what made me decide not to leverage out the full portfolio because mm-hmm. I still want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, right? So that is why, because essentially, I would if I leveraged them all, I would my cash flow would be so low, right. I wouldn't be able to, you know, pay my monthly expenses. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so that's definitely and why. You kind of laughed at the be lazy, but I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, because right. so, I'm a Not mother. In a negative way. Right. As well. <laughs> and it's, it's so you ha- you want to be available if you get a call from the school. Right. Or if you have to do a doctor's appointment. And if you're working a traditional job, every time you take off, they're ticking against you. And now mm-hmm. you're going to be fired, like Zeke said, walked off the property. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that entrepreneurship and what you're explaining is, you know, yeah. uh, a great path to financial freedom and leaving that um, space where you're going to be, like, tied to it or else. Absolutely. Or else I don't eat, or else I don't pay my rent. Right, but yeah. not lazy, y'all. So yeah. <laughs> right, just free. I would yeah. say free. Not free. lazy That's like the was. people that want to come out here and live her life without right. working without hard. Without putting to work, right? Because yeah. she yeah. works. She still works. I still she just work. she she works so hard. She learned how to work smarter now. Absolutely. So everybody that's talking has been through the trials and tribulations, uh, worked the sixty-hour weeks and all that type of thing, so that you can now work. Reggie six said he works six hours a day <laughs> max. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, right. absolutely. So, um, the thing about, so when Ashley first started getting on Instagram, I was like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> because I seen Ashley as a Red Lobster employee and a real estate agent, right? Yeah. And then later on, she was like, okay, I'm doing property management <laughs> because that lined up with the price point and she was doing her own property so she started managing properties mm-hmm. then she started getting into buying more properties and then doing a burr getting more education but all of that was work mm-hmm. and then i was like damn then she got on instagram then she was like oh she teaching courses mm-hmm. so when we talk about all the like fake gurus mm-hmm. out there yes um i never seen their transition right i never seen them from day one so it's hard for me to believe that. Testimony. But I know Ashley personally, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've seen the day one from yes. when she brought her first house mm-hmm. up to getting to being an agent all the way through. And then it's like, damn, that's Ashley. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at her, and you see her on bigger pockets, and everybody is in awe, but she's so humble. Yeah. And it's like, she the same Ashley, but with more knowledge, more experience, and everything. Mm. And Absolutely. it's the work that people don't see. They're just seeing an Instagram, mm-hmm. thinking she did this when in she two popped years. Out, right, yeah. right. Like I just popped up. <laughs> yeah, and thank you. I appreciate it. And then, yeah, I just had a conversation like this yesterday. It's just that. Um, so what I realized early on is that I, I guess what really helped me not be fearful is first of all not taking myself too serious and not really caring what people think right i realized that and i don't want to get too religious everybody have their own religion but i realized that i don't need people to bless me i need god to bless me right so when i when some Man. people which happens on a daily basis people will like my property management projects like somebody broke in one so i'll pay out of pocket to board a house up and investors say well i'm not paying you back you know right. and walk away or whatever contractors walk away 
I still does not let that affect how I treat other people on a daily. Right. Where and with people who don't even know who I am, very nice, very courteous, because you just never know what people are doing. But what I have realized is that there's nothing special about me except for the fact that I treat people well. No matter how bad my day is, no matter how much I feel like I'm here and they're there, I right. still treat them just like they're worth a million bucks. And I feel like again that that's a direct that's a direct effect of why I'm being so blessed because I can tell you I can lose a deal or get outbid on a deal and I'll be crying, like about to cry, about to quit. <laughs> and the next day, boom, it's a better deal, yep. 10 times better. Yep. Right? Uh, yeah. And I think I was telling Reg about that. The, yeah. The um, vacant lot. Yeah. It the vacant not. lot. Yeah. Yes. Well, how many acres was that? Uh, it was uh, two, just under two acres. Yep. Right. Just under two acres. Yeah. It really hurt me a lot, but I was able to purchase two houses. Um, and one got over a hundred thousand in equity, so I'm like, you know, and that don't was let at nothing. That was the tax auction, right? Yeah, uh -huh, yeah, that was at the tax yeah. auction. So but that's real, you yeah. know, especially in real estate. We just, you know, talked about on a other episode with Zeke. You know, the you can definitely damn near have an aneurysm in mm -hmm. this field, <laughs> but if you kind of sit back and you understand it. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it, it wasn't for you. It, mm. Yeah. It, it, yeah, that's what I always exactly. say. Exactly. And, and what's for me, nobody can take. So, true. yeah, that's why, that's why I literally have to tell myself And then you, you end up being okay way. with it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, you come down off of that stress. You can continue to move forward. You can keep the smile on your face, yeah. the pretty right. smile, and, you know, live to see another day and get what's for you. Real lesson. Yes. Real right. lesson. <laughs> and it may be more difficult for women because I know that it is, you know, that's just part That's of their DNA, say, right? Yep. Do not get emotionally Emotional. attached to anything in this industry. So that's my superpower. Yep. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't care. Like, right. I'm, yeah. I'm always, it's, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Simple as that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I had to do because uh, teach myself because being a woman, I felt like it was a personal attack on me. Like, no, somebody <laughs> looked at my computer screen and knew what I was going to be. You right. know what's crazy? <laughs> um, on the other episode, Zeke explained the same thing. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, how you yeah. feel. Yeah. When you right. best it, you feel like, like somebody yeah. is yeah. personal. Yeah. Right. That's how bested you are. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm -hmm. But when you start taking yourself out of that, it's not about you. Right, it's, it's not bigger, about right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was something wrong, and it, I know me. I would just be going crazy. Like it was something bad with that property. Like the mm -hmm. foundation was gonna fall in two years. That's mm -hmm. why I didn't get it. You know, it, I just have you that. built up a um thing to where you just don't go to certain spaces? So like, I won't. It's very hard. I won't invest on the east side. <sighs> yeah. Oh, <God. laughs> no, and it's not. Yeah. I, I don't think it's. There's nothing wrong with the east side of Detroit. It's just not for me. Right. <laughs> because I do invest on the east That's side. That's how I was going to say. Wherever the money at. You know yeah. So let's, wait, no, real quick, saying. because <laughs> it's funny. Detroiters always be like that, but out-of-towners just be like, how much I'm putting in, how much yeah. I'm getting no, out. No, so you, obviously, I live by the, I love Detroit. I'm from the yeah. North End, born, raised, right. all that. Um, So... Highland what Park. it is is we were talking about we were talking about you know like things not being for you yeah and so before right at the cusp of the recession i just spent so much energy trying to get you know particular properties on the east side and i knew that that it wasn't for me but i pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed and it really wasn't for me because yeah. it was really the thing that took me out that made me have to start over. So now I more so have a phobia about it versus not wanting to go there. Because I look and I be like, oh, it's a great deal. Mm. I've done deals with Zeke on, on the east side. Yeah, my direct business partner is buying properties on the east side. Mm. Um, however, I'm just like, eh. 
So it's like a puzzle. So that's how I look at everything. Yeah. I, I look at it like a puzzle. If you got to force the piece in there, that's Don't not the space. Right. 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 So definitely what I tell people is I have to sleep at night, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's what's meant, not, if you're six, wait, as long as you're being successful on the west side, mm-hmm. then don't even think about the east. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not like I'm, not, I don't want to buy on the east side, but you're not finding no deals on the west side and not getting started, then I'm gonna have a conversation. But as long as you're moving forward towards the goal and it's working for you, definitely do that. Right. But what I can say is I'm so grateful of people like yourself because I'm the east side queen. Right. When I tell you I have 15 <laughs> properties all within five minutes of each other on the east side and they are doing well, not as well as the west side. So even for myself, um, they're going to. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they are for sure because it was less competition, but being a property manager, and again, I love Detroit, <laughs> but those West Side tenants, they come in there with their nose turned up mm-hmm. and they mess up your houses. Obviously, everybody, you can find East Side people, but my sweet spot has always been 8 Mile, right? If you're living mm-hmm. in Detroit, you knew that once you get close to 8 Mile, you get access to schools, maybe mm-hmm. even luck up and call the police on, in Ferndale. So my you know. first house was eight on Glastonbury, Eight miles south, okay, yeah. low brick bungalow. Eight. I thought I was this judge. Yes, <laughs> like I won. Yes. <laughs> so that's why what I started with. Like I need to get as close to eight mile where I'm just by the city, so people can get have their kids in good schools. You know, because of that, and you might get the right. police to come. And also, that neighborhood <laughs> never really died down. Obviously, red zone eight mile did, but eight mile still was pretty solid the whole mm-hmm. time. Now, had I been knowledgeable or knew, then the 48206 was the biggest appreciating zip code in Detroit, hands down, mm-hmm. versus right. where the properties were at and to where they're at now. Mm-hmm. So even though my property's in on close to 8 Mile, it was never really a bad neighborhood. So just like Reggie said, when I were getting those houses, I was putting a furnace, a hot water tank in, and some paint, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? So that that's why I really like to stick with 8 Mile, but I mm-hmm. am... So I never put any restrictions on anything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'll buy a property from a two-year-old with a deed as long as the numbers make sense. But when she said that, it actually made me feel like a hypocrite because Reggie, no, my <laughs> whole family is from Highland Park. Right. And I refuse to buy, not refuse, but I don't even look twice. Like somebody have to force me to look at a deal in Highland Park. Yeah. And I love Highland Park. The properties are big, beautiful, but I just had, I remember a couple, they cut off the water mm-hmm. and it was a yeah. big thing and they cut off all the lights. <clears throat> like, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. But one thing I can say about Highland Park, I have family members that they don't care. California, $2 million house, they're not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Highland Park is family, it's home, it's small, it's a tight-knit community, so I love it, don't get me wrong, but I just realized it. Yeah, and it's all oh, right now, it's about here, to go ham. Here's what's unique about Highland Park, yeah. right? So for her strategy, that 60000 mm-hmm. all in, because of the size of the homes, okay. you can't do that and, and rent it out and make the type of cash flow, mm-hmm. but for the fix and flip, yeah. it works, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of buy and hold, <laughs> a lot of buy and hold investors you don't want to sink that type of money into it mm-hmm. because it's hard to refinance mm-hmm. them if you wanted to, right? Yeah. On some of them. And then if you stay away from like some of the historic homes mm-hmm. and you get some of like the frame smaller homes, mm-hmm. then you're still putting forty or fifty thousand in there and the value may not be there right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People with big money can afford to do that and hold it and it's gonna be a huge return. Yeah. So yeah. So but, wait, before <laughs> I got to thank somebody, though, Um, and I think we probably mentioned her before in Mm -hmm. public, but I want to give her her flowers, 
and that's Kim uh, Kimora Whitfield. Yes, Kimora. Because Kim, we were at Ritz. Kim sold her her first house. Yeah, that's what I was gonna and say too. And that's how she got in the real estate. Mm-hmm. I can't, I couldn't do this without thanking yeah, Kim. Yeah, Kim, that's what I was gonna you know, say. Reggie you know, brokerage broker broker my first property, but Kim, right. not only did Kim sell me the house, she also, I don't know what she saw in me because I would have never yep. thought of it. She's like. You need to be a real estate agent. Yep. She told me where to go, and then she's like, when you do, come to us. You know what I'm saying? Took me under her wing, so for sure. I don't know what she's seeing in me because I was trying to hide. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. And just in our community in general, like, you know, I, to me, I just feel like I didn't want to look wealthy. I didn't want to look this way because then I would have too many distractions, people coming after me for right. money. See, it's so crazy that people in my family or just people that, I, that know me really feel right. like, Oh, what, now you you know you you're just hitting the you know you just hitting the target. Now you rich now, right. and I'm just gonna say like I've been uh, having money. I've been making <laughs> ten grand minimum a month right. since I had like five doors. You know what I'm saying? I've been getting it, but I let them think that you know. But I still haven't changed. But they see like oh, I see how much money you got. I've never spoke about that. You know what I'm saying? I've been getting it, but I've been the underdog, and I've been so humble, and I'm still okay to do that because I don't really want everybody right. to know. But it's just so funny that now that people see me on Instagram, when they've been knowing me my whole life, they think that I'm more wealthy now because of that. But you've been knowing that I've had 10, <laughs> 15, 16 properties with no mortgage. So you had to know, you know what I'm saying, I was getting it. But again, I just was like trying not to be seen, right, yeah, going right. under the radar. And that's so, what you talked about. Like, um, we'll have family members that know us, that know what we have, <laughs> But then they'll yep. see somebody else on Instagram and be like, oh, you should live. You'd be like, what? I'm right here. And right. Then they see right. On Instagram. But then she, <laughs> nope. then she right that. here and she's on Instagram. Sure. Right. Yeah. But, and now they're like, oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you Congratulations. Like, you I already had it. Right. Yeah, I've been doing me. this. But yeah, yeah, I had to thank Kim because um, agents would introduce me to people and be like, oh, my client wants to be, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My client wants to get in real estate. And I'm like, yeah, all right. But Kim was like, nah, she she gonna do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And um she took off, she was just like doing doing selling a few houses, but she found her niche, yeah. which was a certain market, and she just took off from there. So much that she quit really selling houses. Yeah, houses. Absolutely. But she she like, have my Reggie license, told but me that. Reggie yeah, told me that. He said, gone. find your niche, right? So yeah. my niche was because I was ultimately my motivation was being I wanted to buy real estate and rent it out so that's when Reggie told me like you need to find your niche and that's when I found out well real estate uh, rentals rental property so landlords because I'm doing it myself I'm knowledgeable about it let me go ahead and start targeting landlords and let me place the tenant for them so that's actually what I started off doing but just quiet as kept it was still lucrative because back then you would sell a HUD home Five, ten thousand, shoot, right. even fifty thousand. Your commission yep. was twelve fifty, right? Yep. Yep. Twelve fifty. <laughs> so I can rent out a house for seven fifty, eight hundred, and do half the work. You don't have to wait thirty days. The buyer back out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Inspection failed. Like these are tenants. So it, I was losing about four hundred bucks, but it was just a, more success because it was less work. Yes. So definitely. That's when we were after Actually, HUD. That's when well, they reduced their commission. Well, yeah, she almost <laughs> made me want to give up my HUD, my HUD, Bank of America, and my uh, Fannie Mae contract. Because before we could buy our own, we could buy our own listings. Mm-hmm. Then they was like, you can't buy your own listings, but you can buy other broker listings, right? Yeah. Then they was like, 
if you got Bank of America or HUD contract, you can't buy any HUD or bank. She had already quit, but she was buying them up. I was like, damn, (laughs) wait a minute. I should quit. I should give up these contracts so I can buy more Mm -hmm. homes. Mm -hmm. And she just took off and was just killing it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. I'm so happy to meet you in person. I know. It was an honor. Yeah. We're going to have a couple parties. Yeah. So. I need I need you to tell people because people call me and I don't want to give out like your personal <laughs> number, especially yes. if they like from Instagram, mm-hmm. so or Facebook or YouTube. But <laughs> right. how do people get in touch with you and and like a number they can reach you or Instagram? How do you prefer to be contacted? Right. So I prefer Instagram, and just like Reggie said, like when I first my podcast hit. I was getting hit up on three different emails, my cell phone, all type of things. But right. even though my following, like, I just hit like twenty over 20,000, 22,000 maybe, uh, I still answer my DMs. Like right. my cell phone number is on my Instagram and my email. So hit me up on Instagram, Detroit underscore investor. I still answer all of my DMs. I will get back to you. But also any products workshops free or paid they're all going to be on instagram so that is the best way i i just i'll have people request podcasts and all type of stuff on my email and it takes me five or ten days to get back whereas instagram is instant so that's the best place detroit underscore investor for sure cool cool ashley hamilton yes (laughs) it was great um we are tasari please follow us subscribe youtube Spotify, yep, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Google Pod, we got that one? Yeah, we yeah. got just I didn't about even everything. know. Yeah, we, we <laughs> Y'all have YouTube too? Yeah. 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 Oh, yes, that's my favorite, yeah. Cause, yep. Well, just because I'm not technology savage, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Savvy. All right, thank you. Appreciate you. All thank right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Amazing. So, right. have you ever heard of Blinkos? Blink, yes, I have. So, right.